0: In your Pew Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, or your own Bibles, better yet. Uh, Philippians 2, beginning with verse 19, if you're using your Pew Bibles, it's on smaller ones, page 981. And as you're turning there, one more. um, Quick announcement Uh, we've received the new today devotionals for March and April, they're available there in the back. For your use, or take one and share it with with a friend. But hear God's word. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 19 and reading to the end of the chapter. This is the word of God. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How is a son with the father? He has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I, that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but... God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired, inerrant, infallible word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Most gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have indeed had mercy on us in Christ. Thank you as well for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we read and study um, your scripture together this morning, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, minds to understand, Hearts that are, are ready to be obeyed, ready to obey and be transformed by the gospel truth. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're not familiar with the name of John Dunn, who was a prolific English poet, actually a minister and the Anglican Church in England, later a chaplain, even to the king. But you might be familiar, if you're not familiar with his name, you might be familiar with one of his brief but beautiful poems entitled, For Whom the Bell Tolls. The central image refers to the church bell, you know, in in the town that would ring uh, upon the death of a citizen of that town, and so the question would always be asked, well, who died? Why are they ringing the bell? And so listen to a few lines. Let me read the opening portion. No man is an island, entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. The poem soon concludes with these powerful words. Therefore send me not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. No man, Christian, or teen is an island. No true Christian can live in solitude. You know, God created us to live in community. The Lord our God graciously established his church so, to, so that his beloved children could live together in love. We could worship the Lord Jesus Christ together and so that we might serve the Lord together as witnesses of the redeeming love of Christ. You know, and here as we study uh, Philippians 2 uh, verse 19 through 30 together, you know, we'll be focusing on, on this central truth that when Christians serve the Lord together, and that's what we are to do, when Christians serve the Lord together, they sacrificially labor for Christ's glory. Well, why is it always vital for Christians to serve the Lord together? We are to be a witness to selfless service, but then as well we are to be a witness to sacrificial service for the Lord. You know, here in 1 Timothy, or here in Philippians 2, uh, we'll see three servants of the Lord. We'll see the Apostle Paul, and then... Timothy, and then a Christian you may or may not have heard of by the name of Epaphroditus. You know, to put these verses in context, it's always important to study Scripture in context, what precedes it, what follows it. You know, here in Philippians 2, we've already marveled at the mysterious and glorious Christ him there in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Then in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18, we learned of the necessity of Christians to live in obedient, as obedient, radiant, and joyful witnesses of Christ you know that that we are to shine as we read in verse 15 to shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of god you know but but here in philippians 2 beginning with verse 19 you know we see that we are to be serving the lord together and so we've gone from the heights of of gospel truth and theology here about Christ and, and now here is where the rubber meets the road. You know, how how do we live out our, our love for Christ, our, our love for one another, our love for the lost? And, and I believe we'll see scripture tells us, teaches us about it here in Philippians chapter two. You know, let's begin with uh, the Apostle Paul, and as you see each of these figures, you know they, they there is a real distinctiveness and difference as well. The Apostle Paul we know well; he is a Jew who persecuted the Christians and then came to saving faith in Christ. Timothy, you know, as you study Timothy, and there's a host of verses about Timothy you you'll learn that Timothy was was half Jew and half Gentile uh, but then Epaphroditus the last one we'll look at was was all Gentile each had their distinctive gifts from the Lord you know, all of them love the Lord and called to sacrificially serve him in his kingdom work. Okay, now back to Paul there in Philippians 2, verse 19. The apostle Paul writes, I hope, you know, and, and it's not just a wish, but it's a gospel hope, a grounded hope. I hope in the Lord Jesus, you know, his hope is grounded in Christ. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. Soon. You know, keep in mind, you know, Paul is in prison in Rome. You know, he's awaiting trial. He hopes in the Lord to soon send Timothy, and most likely, you know, Silas is there with him. Yet he hopes in the Lord, you know, to send Timothy to Philippi. Why? Because he longs to hear what what good work God is carrying on in the church at Philippi, and it's not a a, a short distance uh, to to Philippi. Hundreds of miles, whether he went by land or by sea, an arduous journey. And so Timothy would be sent to Philippi and then come back again to Paul with news. But Paul was anxious to hear uh, the news of of God's kingdom work there in. Philippi and Paul commends Timothy for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare no one who is a kindred spirit no one who um serves the Lord with gladness and Sacrifice, you know, that it's almost, they're almost two peas in a pod. You know, Paul has trained Timothy, prayed with Timothy, mentored Timothy. They are indeed like-minded. Timothy, you know, as you look at Timothy in, in these verses, we'll see three marks of Christian service with Timothy. Yes, he is has genuine Christian compassion. You know, not a superficial or transient love for this church. It's a genuine love, like 24-karat gold. You know, Paul contrasts Timothy's selfless compassion for his fellow believers with others who call themselves Christian. Verse 21 stands out. For they presumably some in the church who call themselves christians for they all seek their own interests not those of jesus christ that, that's always a temptation you know for christians you know to, to be thinking about ourselves first you know our own wishes and wants you know rather than thinking of christ thinking of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Alec Motier put it this way, but Paul saw his Christian friends at Philippi as worthy of the best he had to give. He gave them Timothy, who was in a class by himself. but, But here we see that the Lord calls every believer to selfless service. It's not just a Paul. It's not just a Timothy. You know, it's you. It's me. We are all to be serving the Lord. You know, but back to Timothy, verse 22 of Philippians 2. But you know, you all know, Timothy's proven worth. You know, his, his character has been tested He's been through fire and the forge and the Lord strengthened Timothy's faith. You know, think of it this way, Old Testament illustration, truth. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there and Daniel, you know, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, let me read a few of the verses there beginning with, You know, verse 20, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow before that image of Nebuchadnezzar. In this case, they did not submit uh, to government authorities. Rather, they submitted to the Lord. And we read this, And he, that is Nebuchadnezzar, ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because, Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not throw, cast three men? bound into the fire and they answered and said to the king true o king he answered and said but i see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods you know that that's a theophany there the, the fourth man is a, all good scriptural reason to believe it was the lord jesus christ who was walking with these faithful servants in, in the midst of the fire. That, that's Timothy, you know, a, a proven worth in his service for the Lord. You know, but here we see as well with Timothy and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and a host of other Christian servants in Scripture that God, that service for Christ does not spare us from sorrow or suffering from sickness or struggles. Finally here with Timothy there in verse 22, there is a joint gospel ministry with Paul. Timothy served as a son with his father. Or verse 23, well, last part of verse 22. As a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. You know, there's an intimacy Mutual respect, a love there. As the Apostle Paul teaches, leads Timothy, prepares him for faithful gospel ministry, you know, he mentored Timothy. You know, to use another word, we use mentoring a lot today, but, you know, think back in history, not quite sure the time frame. Think of apprenticeship. You know, back back in the day, if you wanted to learn how to build barrels to be a, a cooper, you know, you worked with someone who was an expert in it, and they they taught you all the details so that one day you could be that expert cooper. You know, or or a tinkerer. You know, one who fixed pots and pans. You know, or if you wanted to be a carpenter, you you studied. You, you were the apprentice of a great carpenter. You know, an apprentice humbly served and learned the skills of the trade. And Timothy here gladly and gratefully served with Paul in the gospel ministry. You know, and what marked Paul's ministry? Just to name a few, prayer. You know, what what better way to learn how to pray uh, than, than with the apostle Paul. Paul's study of scripture, you know, we knew the Old and the New Testament, New Hebrew and Greek, both. And evangelism, you know, Paul's heart for evangelism, for for the lost. But note there in, in verse 23, he has served with me. You know, it wasn't this, well, Timothy's my underling, no, they are serving the Lord together, you know, and that's the way it ought to be in 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 Christian ministry. We are serving the Lord together, you know, by the grace of God and for the glory of Christ. James Boyce, the pastor, put it this way: a real mark of Christian maturity is the ability to work with others cooperatively under the banner and for the cause of Christ. You know and then finally the apostle Paul verses 23 and 24 you know again paul, the apostle Paul speaks of his hope there i hope verse 23 therefore to send i hope therefore to send him just as soon as i see how it will go with me you know paul is awaiting trial You know, will he be found innocent, released from prison? Will he be found guilty, presumably executed? Paul does not know. But he's glad Timothy is there with him for this time, but he's still ready and willing to to send Timothy on to the church at Philippi. You know, in faith and with the firm trust in the Lord, Paul makes providential plans as well to visit his fellow believers shortly. Verse 24, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. You know, as always, Paul trusts in the Lord. You know, might it be said of all of us, you know, what, what a model of selfless service for Christ. There in the apostle Paul. And yes, I believe in Timothy as well. There's an illustration I came across uh, the other day. You know, you know, as a preacher, you've been in my office, and we have more at home, a lot of books. And sometimes I forget I have books, or who gave me the books, whether I bought it or received it. You know, some thick books, but, you know, I've been using this little pamphlet about Philippians, and it was written by a a woman named Jean Patterson. And so on Friday, I I got curious, so I looked up her name, and uh, Jean Patterson was actually a a Bible teacher of the women at First Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. It's a flagship church in the Presbyterian Church of America. In fact, her husband was a pastor, Dr. Donald T. Patterson, he was one of the founding fathers of the, uh, the PCA, and uh, together after he retired, they ministered to missionaries uh, around the world. But in this little pamphlet, uh, Gene Patterson tells this story, and, and I use it freely. Uh, Many years ago, a wealthy man stood on the dock in New York City watching as a huge ocean liner made ready to be put out to sea. A friend saw him and after exchanging greetings, asked him why he was there. He replied, "Uh, there's $20,000 worth of equipment I'm giving to a hospital in China on board that ship. There was a moment of silence. "'I, too, am sending a gift to China on that ship,' said the friend. "'My only daughter is going there as a missionary. She is all I have in the world.' The wealthy man placed a gentle hand on the friend's shoulder and said, "'And I thought I had sacrificed.'" You know, Mrs. Patterson concludes her study with a few probing questions for her fellow believers. Here's two. What have you done or said this week in the name of Jesus Christ for others? And then her second question, what has it cost you to live for Jesus this week? If I may be so bold as to add a third question, Asking myself primarily, am I selflessly serving my Savior this week? Like the Apostle Paul, like Timothy. Only two points to the sermon today. We looked at Timothy, now beginning in Philippians 2, verse 25, we see Epaphroditus, If Timothy is a witness of selfless service, here we see Epaphroditus as a witness of sacrificial service for the Lord. You know, Epaphroditus, it's almost one of those Bible trivia questions. Who was Epaphroditus? If you get asked that, now you'll be able to know. His name is mentioned only two times here in Scripture. Here in Philippians 2, verse 25, and then in uh, Philippians 4, 18. You know that verse I read for the offertory? I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So his name is only mentioned twice, and yet he is a significant. Servant of the Lord, not only in Paul's eyes, uh, but in, in the Lord's eyes as well. Few things to say, well, at least one chief thing to say about Epaphroditus here at the beginning. You know, his name, you know, and its origin is related to the Greek goddess Aphrodite. And if you've forgotten some of your schooling from back then, Aphrodite was the goddess of sexual love, beauty, and pleasure. So most likely, Epaphroditus did not have Christian parents. Uh, But yes, Epaphroditus was a a sinner saved by grace through faith in Christ. Epaphroditus most likely... Carried this letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Philippi. It was Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus' task to carry this letter back to the church at Philippi. You know, Paul is sending him back to the believers. It's there, verse 25 I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. You know, but Before we look at the task, look at these four gospel truths about Epaphroditus that reveal his Christian witness of sacrificial service to the Lord. You know, may, may each one of these be said of us as well. First of all, Apostle Paul calls Epaphroditus, my brother. You know, imagine being called my brother by the Apostle Paul, you know, early Christians I'm sure were tempted to to place the apostle Paul on a pedestal oh if I could be like the apostle Paul and, you know and and yet here Paul says you're my brother you know they're they're on the same plane they're they're serving the lord together you know my fellow believer you know and keep in mind that Paul was a Jew Formerly a Jew, a persecutor of Christians, and, and here is a Paphroditus, you know, a Gentile. You know, by the way, this is a great way to refer to your fellow Christians. You know, my brother, my sister. There was a professor at seminary after I got there. Uh, Elias Madeiros. He was from Brazil. You know, great fellow, loved the Lord, an evangelist, but he could never remember names. And so everybody on the seminary campus was my brother or my sister. You know, he'd say, how are you doing, my brother? And, uh, you know, but he did it with such a glad smile. You you felt uh, that Christian love and warmth. You know, my brother. Unless you know, lest we take that term lightly here, this verse, Proverbs 17.17, 17, verse well worth underlining. Proverbs 17.17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A brother is born for adversity. You know, having a brother, sister in Christ, you know, who stays with you through thick and thin not a fair weather friend you know you, you may move away or you, you may age or whatever may happen you know but but they're always your brother sister in Christ always praying for you always supporting you always loving you in the name of Jesus see he calls Epaphroditus my brother in Christ secondly you know it it's a jam-packed verse here verse 25 my brother and fellow worker you know that that's all one word in the original he he works with me we work together he he labors together with paul in, in the gospel ministry and both paul and Epaphroditus are co-workers with God. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 puts it this way: 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's building. You are God's field, God's building. You know, there Paul is writing it about Apollos. You know, so Epaphroditus is a brother. He's a fellow worker. Third, he's a fellow soldier. You know, just you know, stop and consider that for for a moment. You know, scripturally. You know, there, there's a reality of spiritual conflict, gospel warfare. You know, then, but still today. You know, it, it, it's a reality. You know that we're not in glory yet there there is still a spiritual warfare taking place and here Paul calls Epaphroditus my fellow soldier." you know together they must be girded with God's gospel armor that we read about in Ephesians chapter six. You know together you know they they march into battle and against Satan. And his forces of darkness. The, the Roman soldiers were renowned, you know, for marching side by side with their shields touching one another, and so it was a uh, a cohesive line of defense, not only defense but advancement against the enemy. And here he calls Epaphroditus, you're you're my fellow soldier, you know, we're we're in this battle together. You know together we are both good soldiers of Christ Jesus, you know, and to take it to to the finish, you know we know that Christ has conquered all of his and our foes. you know got a text from Brad Corville, you know Lynn told me that his mother in hospice care was uh, Seemed to be approaching death, just slowed breathing, sleeping. And I encouraged him, you know, pray with your mother, read scripture. And uh, he sent back a text, well, what what scripture should I read? And one of the scriptures I, I texted him was 1 Corinthians 15. You know, here are the last two verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58 great chapter glorious chapter 1st uh, Corinthians 15 57 but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain you know the the, the outcome has already been determined you know Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death and the grave. Defeated Satan there at the cross. You know, he is a bound captive even now. And here Timothy is his fellow soldier. John Calvin put it this way. This indeed is common to all Christians. To be soldiers in the camp of Christ. For Satan is the enemy of all. Yes, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, but uh, you know, as we serve the Lord together, look at one another as you know, fellow soldiers. You know, we're all in the battle, you know, in some capacity, and the Lord knows you know where we can best serve Him. Sermon for another time. Uh but lastly, there, still verse twenty-five. Paul writes, your messenger and minister to my need. So he's telling the church at Philippi, he is your your messenger, the same root word for apostle. You you sent him to me, you know, to care for my needs, to minister to my needs. And the apostle Paul is, is grateful for it. And now in verse 26, Paul is Sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi, why? for he has been longing, yearning to come home, Some believe he was homesick, you know far from home, been away from home for a long time, and yes, it can happen to adults you know you're you're you seem to be alone and unfamiliar and and so you know. Apostle Paul doesn't beat him up for that. You you know, I'm sending him back home to you, to return to you. (coughs) If you look at it again, there, verse 26, you know, he has been distressed because you have heard that he was ill. You know, a little bit of background here. You know, here is Epaphroditus in Rome with Paul. It seems he got sick on the journey, made it to Rome, and word has already gone back to Philippi and come back to Rome, period of months. And uh, Epaphroditus is distressed, you know, that his brothers, sisters and Christ, maybe his family, you know, heard that he was ill. That, that word distressed, it's a strong word. It's the same word used of Jesus, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled. You know, but distress as well as a sign of our love for the Lord, a real struggle against sin. You know, but what does God do? You know, yes, Epaphroditus was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him. You know, what, what a great promise. What a great truth. God, God had mercy on him. Almost that word grace, Epaphroditus didn't deserve it, but God in his sovereign love, gracious heart, ha- had mercy on Epaphroditus, you know, on this ailing servant of the Lord. You know, and just as a footnote here, but I think it's an important footnote, please note the frailties of God's servants. You know, we tend to think, well, if you're going to serve the Lord, then you're never going to get sick, everyone's going to love you. Uh, every time you speak the gospel, uh, others will come to saving faith in Christ. Your, your prayers will always show great gospel fruit. You know, but but look at the frailties of God's servants. You know, Paul is in prison. You know, Timothy, as you read about Timothy's life, Timothy experienced poor health. In college they would often quote that verse to Timothy, Take a little wine for your health. Always the question, how much is a little wine? I'll let uh, someone else preach that sermon. Timothy was in, in poor health. He here was a uh, Paphroditus, very sick in the ICU back then. You know, but, but you see that throughout Scripture, King Hezekiah, uh, a godly king, had serious ailments. Second Kings twenty. You know, but God's mercy to us in Christ. You know, in our sickness, in our struggles, you know, he strengthens us to serve. You know, so often we're tempted to think, well, you know, I'm too weak, I'm too frail. I'm just a no-name, you know, sort of like Epaphroditus. You know, but God has mercy on us in Christ. You know, then the gospel conclusion here, 28 through 30, a grand gospel conclusion, here we behold the gospel heart of God's servant Paul. He's ready and eager to send Epaphroditus back so that the church might rejoice in his return. You know, but Paul very uh, honestly discloses Paul too, I'll endure less anxiety. I may be less anxious, and and so he commands the church at Philippi that when Epaphroditus returns home, receive him. It's a command, receive him, welcome him in the Lord. There may have been that tendency to say, hey, Epaphroditus, we sent you to care for Paul, and you go and get sick. You don't accomplish your, your mission, reason for which we paid for your missionary trip, bought your ticket on the ship. And here they say, no, receive him. Welcome him in the Lord with all joy. And then the, a second command, honor such men. You know, we, Scripture calls us to honor God's servants. You know, to pray for them. To encourage them. To support them. This humble servant of Christ displayed a life of sacrificial service to the Savior. There is a real Christ-likeness in Epaphroditus. D.A. Carson put it this way, mature Christian living is inextricably bound up with this attitude of self-sacrificial service offered up to God. You know, the Lord still calls us uh, to sacrificial service. Like Christ, you know, go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You know, that's that's what the Lord calls us all to. Christ-like sacrificial service by His grace, by His mercy, and and for His glory. You know, this afternoon, many around the world—you don't have to raise your hand if you're planning on watching it—but uh, many will be watching Super Bowl. Had to check fifty-four. You know, players often play for bragging rights, or if your team wins, you get the Pete Rozelle trophy. And uh, probably most importantly for a lot, you get the big bucks if you're the winner. A little Far less if, if you're the loser. Yes, they play together on a team, but, you know, at least some of the players play just for self-interest. You know, will I stand out? will I get named the MVP and get a new car or a trip to Disney World? You know, contrast that with Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. You know, it's my pastoral prayer, and more importantly, it's God's sovereign purpose that this church, Hope Presbyterian Church, would continue to faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ together, selflessly, sacrificially, for the glory of Christ and for the spread of his gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we praise you um, and thank you for not only these examples of gospel service, selfless, sacrificial gospel service, and Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, but Lord, you graciously reminded us, Lord, that they served by your mercy, by your strength, that they were serving you first and foremost, serving your church. And Lord God, pray that today, that you might be pleased uh, to use each one of us who names the name of Christ, that we would be serving you and serving one another. All for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.